0: excited as members of VBS to partner uh, up with New Retina Radio uh, to launch this new series called New Retina Radio Journal Club. And as the name implies, it is a journal club. While there's parts of the journal club that will be more familiar to our listeners from their training, uh, where we review some of the uh, latest papers, we really try to focus on papers that are clinically applicable to your practice. And so while we go through the data We'd like to have a collegial discussion among several co-panelists, which is very much in the spirit of VBS, so that what you take away from it is not only the top-line data, but really what do these papers mean to our day-to-day practice and how we think about our patients and how we think about future directions and research. So so it's really more of an informal journal club. We try to not get so much into the nitty-gritty and really have a good group discussion uh, in a way that's easily digestible for our listeners and our viewers. It is my distinct pleasure today to be joined by three uh, colleagues and friends. First, we have Cynthia Kian, who is an assistant professor uh, and di- uh, director of the Pediatric Retina Service at the University of Montreal in Canada. We'll be joined by Christina Wang, who is an associate professor of ophthalmology and fellowship program director at the Baylor College of Medicine Colon Institute. And last but not least, we have Basil Williams, who is the director of ocular oncology and an assistant professor of ophthalmology at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. And so on today's episode, uh, we'd like to kick it off uh, with a discussion of uh, a paper by Annette Lowenstein's group, uh, the Artes study group, which was a coll- collaborative retrospective study on the efficacy and safety of intravitreal dexamethasone implant, better known as Ozurdex in patients with diabetic macular edema. So before we get into a group discussion, I'd like to ask Christina Wang if she could do us the honor of reviewing this study by going over uh, the top-line data, and the study design.
1: First of all, thank you, Jorge, and uh, nice to be with you all tonight for this journal club. I'm going to briefly summarize this paper by Rosenblatt et al. on behalf of the Artist Study Group, which, which was published earlier this year in the Ophthalmology Blue Journal. So they looked at in this study the effect and safety profile of dexamethasone intravitreal implant, also known as Ozurdex on the treatment of diabetic macular edema. This was a multi-center retrospective cohort study of almost 800 injections in 340 eyes that took place in eight countries in Europe. And these sites that were involved were all part of the European Vision Clinical Research Network. They looked at several outcomes, but the primary outcome was the improvement of 15 or more from baseline Secondary outcomes included the improvement of 10 or more letters, anatomical change in central macular thickness, time to maximum improvement, and of course, safety as well. And they did something interesting, Jorge, in this study. They analyzed the data based on a per injection approach and a per series approach. And the reason they did that was to really be able to isolate the efficacy of a single injection and to characterize pharmacodynamics and also to avoid underrepresentation of eyes that were only treated with a single injection, either due to safety or lack of efficacy. So I really appreciated how they did that. Of course, on a general scale, we are most interested in a per series approach because you wanna see if a patient got more than one injection, how they did overall. But I really appreciate how this paper looked at both. And essentially what they found was very similar findings, both from the per injection and per per series approach. What they found was that about a fifth of patients achieved a 15 or greater letter improvement About a third, actually slightly more than a third of patients, achieved a 10 or greater letter improvement. And one of the interesting findings from sub-analyses was that more eyes with either a treatment naive status or a diagnosis of early DME, meaning a diagnosis that had been made less than six months ago, they seemed to do better, even though all these eyes did, in general, respond well to the dexamethasone implant. Additionally, the mean, the mean time to peak improvement was around 81 days, which I think matches really well what we see in the real world. Um, about 7 to 8% lost 15 letters or more. And then, as I said before, the per series analysis, very similar findings. We can talk about those in a little bit more detail when we open it up to the group discussion. But really importantly, too, is safety in the context of steroids for DME. And their safety results actually were slightly better than what we've seen in some of our large trials. They found that patients who were affected by an IOP of greater than 25, it only occurred in about 7.9% of injections, and then only less than 1% of injections actually reached greater than a 35 millimeter of mercury threshold for IOP. No cases of endophthalmitis or rent. So overall, I think it showed that dexamethasone is a safe and effective type of treatment for diabetic macular edema with the mean peak of effect around 81 days. So perhaps we should be using it a little more frequently than every six months, which is what some of the providers were uh, dosing it in this study.
0: Thanks, Christina. That was an excellent uh, summary. Um, I think, you know, you brought up an interesting point that this is really a real world study. And I think that oftentimes we talk about comparing uh, what happens in clinical trials to what happens in real world and obviously there's some disadvantages to real world studies such as you know uh incomplete data collection heterogeneity of the data and sometimes it's hard to suss out uh some of the things that we'd like and are more clearly defined in in clinical trials but i think it also helps like you said that the study confirmed the results of mead Uh, and because mead was an interestingly designed clinical trial where people were being dosed only every six months it was nice to see that they were able to parse out the effects of each injection, as well as those that received the series. So I'd like to open up the discussion on this uh, very interesting study to the rest of our panel here. Um, Basil Williams and uh, Cynthia Kian, thanks for joining us uh, and waiting in the wings while Christina was giving us that excellent summary. Uh, one of the things Christina brought up, which I thought was interesting about this paper, was uh, when they did some of the subgroup analyses, they found that patients with early Uh, duration of their DME, and patients that had not had chronic DME may have done better with dexamethasin. I'm wondering what you guys make of that, and is that something that you see in your clinical practice?
2: I'm going to just jump into it, and um, I think that was a really interesting finding, Jorge, and as Christina summarized, I think uh, it it gives us a real-life sort of view on things, Um, And I think what it, uh, to me, what it kind of showed also kind of proved what we see in in real life and in practice is that the timing of when the treatment gets started is important or is pertinent because as we saw in some of the values, even though the uh, final uh, decrease in retinal thickness uh, was not statistically significant between the groups for either um, early treatment or late treatment, it did make a difference in the amount of letters gained. So I think to me it sort of um, echoes what we see that, you know, if we um, want to start treatment or have an earlier effect, timing at which the treatment is started does make a difference. Uh, even if by if, if we go by measurement parameters, it doesn't seem to make such a big difference.
0: Yeah, it's an excellent point. And, and Basil, I'm wondering if, if you can talk to us a little bit about what you thought about the efficacy mining as far as, uh, you know, the retinal thickness. Uh, kind of peaking at three months, and how does that uh, translate into what you do in practice as far as how often do you dose dexamethasone?
2: Right. So I treat a little bit uh, based on the individual patient. I will uh, initially follow them up four weeks later or so, check their
0: pressure, see what they're doing uh, from a central macular thickness and vision standpoint. And then I'll probably consider reinjecting, maybe somewhere around three to four months, depending on how much edema is left and kind of where uh, they stand at that point. And I think it makes sense that the peak effect is around three months. Um, I, I definitely don't like to wait a full six months as was done in the MEAD study in most of my patients. Um, and then if they do well at uh, the three month mark, then I'll consider extending things out a little bit further. Uh, for their next follow-up and potentially for their next injection. So thanks, Cynthia. Thanks, Basil, for that interesting discussion as how this paper and this data really applies to your real-world practices. Uh, Before we conclude, I'd like to see if our presenter, Christina Wang, has anything to add.
1: Well, I think Basil and Cynthia made some excellent points, Jorge. You know, when you're looking at steroids in general and the treatment of diabetic macular edema, and I think all of us on this you know, podcasts really do integrate that into the care for our DME patients. The trouble with some of the scientific research studies is that we know that steroids, especially long-term use, can contribute to cataract growth. And so the growth of cataracts in these studies, and I don't know of a single study that's purely pseudophagic, but it's always a confounding factor when you're looking at visual acuity outcomes. And the study was no different. There was actually a two-thirds fraction of, of the entire cohort that were fake. It. So I think that has to be taken into account, along with some of the other drawbacks of it being a retrospective study, like you alluded to earlier. But I still think it was a really strong study. Like you said, I think the results really matched and corroborated what we saw in the MEED phase three trials, where about 22% of patients who were treated with dexamethasone gained 15 or more letters. So that was encouraging to see that that is happening in the real world. I think what I take away in terms of practical pearls from this paper by Rosenblatt et al are number one, DME, while it's not an urgent type of condition that you have to treat same day or same week necessarily, I think there really is a time sensitivity to the disease. And I think that oftentimes we're too complacent with it. We let persistent DME sit around for too long because it doesn't strike a sense of urgency the way you know say neovascular AMD might in us. And that we see time and time again, I think you were referencing a Glicky study, there's other studies out there that have looked at death meth- in the context of DME and has, have shown that the earlier you treat in the DME time course, you know, in a Glicky study, they looked at it as treatment naive, but to me treatment naive is really synonymous, I think in, in most cases with earlier treatment of, of this condition they seem to do better. So again, bottom line, while all patients, kind of all comers, if you will, of DME can respond well to dexamethasone, if you get in there a little bit earlier, if you get in there before they've had fluid on their maculas for a year, they seem to do better in terms of visual acuity prognosis. And Cynthia pointed that out really nicely that in the per series analysis, even though they decreased the same amount in terms of OCT thickness, the group that was treatment naive that hadn't had the fluid sitting on the macula that long had a better visual acuity outcome. So that's, that's one important takeaway. And you know that, I really emphasize that because as we've seen from like protocol T, a third to two thirds of patients have persistent DME even after six monthly anti-VEGF injections. And so it's very important for us to think outside the box if we have a patient that is not responding the way we feel like they should be, consider steroids. The other thing I just want to quickly point out as we wrap this up is I thought it was really striking how this is a European population and a third of their patients in this cohort were treatment naive and received dexamethasone as treatment. And I think that really differs vastly from uh, what we, you know, American retina specialists do here. I don't think you would see that high of a proportion. We don't have great data looking at steroids as a primary therapy for DME, but it's a really interesting difference that I just wanted to point out.
0: Thanks, Christina, for that excellent summary, and, I, and I'd like to emphasize that you know these real-world studies, uh, like this study uh, from the study group, as well as some of the real-world data that's been published on fluosinolone, are important because the registration trials for these drugs were often started before anti-VEGF therapy, and so they were not uh, designed in a way to be compared head-to-head, and so the treatment intervals were usually much longer, and so there's, there's more to glean from more of these real-world studies like the user study and the Paladin study for flucinolone and this study. Uh, and so uh, I'm glad that we were able to not only discuss this paper, but I thank you, I thank Th- Cynthia and Basil for uh, translating what this paper means to your day-to-day practice. We uh, encourage you to download this podcast wherever you download your podcasts. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate us uh, so we can improve future content.